Big degree nail podcast. Dan, you're also really hot on my meter. Okay. Third degree, third degree nail podcast. Third degree, third degree nail podcast. Third degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. And you know what? I bet you might be a person out there trying to figure out where to get your hands on a Peppy Osberg jersey. Well, the good guys at Soccer 90 are trying to get them. In fact, I had a conversation with them just the other day. They're trying to make that happen. So you may want to contact Soccer90.com or check out the website to see if they uh, pull that off. But in the meantime, they also have all your other FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club gear. They got scarves, tees, bumper stickers, keychains, soccer gear, everything. And you get 25% all that gear, some limited edition supply, uh, when you use the code third degree at checkout at Soccer90.com. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode numbered uh, Cuba's line. Oh, 144? Uh, episode number 144 <laughs> of Third Degree of the Podcast. Hi, it's me, Peter. And yes, uh, first off, it is your good toned friend with the funny accent, Dan Crook. I resemble that remark. <laughs> My dad says the same thing. It's <laughs> such a dad joke, and you don't have yeah. kids. It's such a weird thing for you to say, Dan. Or is that also a British joke? Uh, it's a, it's a yeah, British thing. Okay. Uh, are you okay? You've been well? Did you have a good week? Anything fun happened to you? Uh, yeah, you know, just a, just a run-of-the-mill crazy work week. Uh, yeah. Okay. Very yeah. good. How about yourself? Uh, I've been very, very busy. Still, I put you on the spot there, sorry. Just very, extremely busy. Uh, and Buzz, it is obviously our hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder of thirddegree.net, Buzz Carrick. Hello, Buzz. Come in, Bugs. Hi, Peter. I'm not sure what it says that this is actually a kid-free podcast. None of us have kids. That is weird. We are unusual that way. And we all have dogs. We do. That's true. That's but true. we're not those people that call our dogs our children, are we? We're not. No. No, we don't. No, do no I call mine a little shit. So <laughs> essentially, yeah. I do remember going to the vet and they and they want them saying to my saying to my dog, "Oh, what's daddy?" Blah blah blah. And I was like, "It's a dog. It's not my kid. <laughs> I love my dog, but it's a dog." <laughs> Shut that down. All right. Well, I'm glad none of us have fur babies. <clears throat> Sean Bass would uh, would be jo- overjoyed to hear that news. All right. Uh, hey, guys, I really need your help. I need. I, I have to admit to everybody listening uh, and you guys that uh, have not been paying attention today. I've been very busy and ultimately, as of uh, 20 minutes ago, extremely disappointed that for the first time in over a week, I've gotten my wordly solution incorrect. The game bested me today. I'm very upset about that and not been paying attention to anything FC Dallas related. So, Buzz, please fill us in on the latest. Well, you want the latest today? Uh, the latest today is that uh, Dallas was linked to another international goalkeeper, um, which I find mystifying. Uh, this this Wait a kid is named. Wasn't there? Um, a, wasn't there an international goalkeeper a week ago? Yes, uh, from Valencia. This, right. This is why this is mystifying. The the kid from Valencia, uh, Rivero, I think is his name. He actually like all a whole bunch of European people reported that deal as a done deal even with numbers and length of the loan and all that. And then today 
we got a report of another 23-year-old keeper. This guy's name is Martin Pays, Pays, something like that. Pays. He plays for Uterect. Yeah, P-A-E-S. I don't, I don't speak Dutch, so he's actually been Uterect's starter this season, but apparently has rapidly fallen out of favor in, in favor of somebody else at the international break for them, the winter break. So um, he's a former Dutch youth international. Uh, he's been their starter. So again, this player was just uh, linked both low, uh, domestically and internationally reported that they're in discussions to bring him in, which is really, really weird because A, why would you bring in two international keepers? I'm not necessarily even excited about one, let alone two. Uh, and it does raise a lot of red flags like, why have we not heard about the Spanish guy being signed if it's a done deal for like a week and a half now? Well, maybe there's lots of maybes here. Maybe once the report of the first one came out, some agent came in and said, I got a better keeper for you. And so now there's a hold up and maybe there's only going to bring in one or maybe somebody on the team got a green card or something because if they signed, they drafted a kid who's an international, which was also a eye raiser for me a college kid, but I don't ever understand that. And then if you added these, both of these keepers, then Dallas would be out of international spots. That'd be nine. And so you would have no room to add anybody with still having like six roster spots available and, and the and camp being less than a week away now. So uh, the whole thing is, uh, you know, listen, links are links, right? We know that only one out of 10 of them is real, but uh, this one has been double reported now. And so it raises lots of red flags when you combine the fact that the other guy's not official yet. So we'll find out what's going to happen, but um, it's a weird one. Weird situation, not a weird link. Yeah, and I, I to me it just seems weird that you would be going to these lengths to bring in keepers from overseas. Uh, international slot aside, I mean, if we, if we as Americans do one thing really well, it's grow goalkeepers. Yeah, you would think, I mean, you got Jimmy Maurer and Kyle Zobeck who well, you drafted a long time ago, both came out of the NASL. There are plenty of good enough MLS keepers since theoretically, we're only talking about uh, somebody who can challenge Jimmy Maurer or sub maybe supplant him because Jimmy's when Jimmy's healthy and on, he's pretty good. So it's not like you need, you know, somebody who's starting for Manchester United to come in and be your keeper here. You're just talking about a major league soccer keeper. There are plenty of keepers that are good enough to be the second guy here that are domestic. So it's like why you're bothering with guys who may or may not even start here has always been a mystery to me at the position that we produce players more than any other. All right. So, Dan, I'm going to go into conspiracy theory mode here. Uh, and it's going to fall back on the experiment of Philippe last season, which is, is this them just trying out a new line of business of bringing in an international keeper that's relatively young, seeing how he does, and then just turning him for a profit? Yeah, what the hell is Wordly? Um, <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> I was holding on to that for too long. So. It's, the, it's, uh, the, it's the international smash new word game available on a website near you. It's the So if you're on Twitter and you see people posting those things that make no sense with the yellow and green and white squares yeah, with yeah. some weird numbers, that is the scorecard for your game of Wordly that day. Yeah, uh, f funny thing about the uh, Rivera guy, uh, the Valencia keeper, somebody thought the deal was so done, look at FC Dallas's squad listing on Wikipedia. Somebody's on it. Somebody's already changed it on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I did list him as in my roster dance because there were was, there was so many reports of it being done 
I, I went ahead and put him in there because I had a blank spot for keeper two. So I just wrote his name in, but um, yeah, but, I mean, that's, but hold on, go back to my question, which is, is, is there, I mean, we always accuse this club of putting uh, the business of selling and buying players first. And so are they, are we at a point where this is just more evidence that if in fact they bring in another international keeper that this is really part of the master plan, which is, yeah, we're going to add talent to the team, but it has to be talent that we could theoretically turn around and make a profit off of. I think it, it kind of depends on the national. Like, uh, Felipe, you know, you're getting a cheap Brazilian guy that you want to turn into an Edison or Allison if he makes the Olympic team and, and has, you know, an okay tournament. I don't know what you stand to gain from a keeper from Spain because you're already playing European price. Um, where's the new guy this uh, player's from? Dutch. Utrecht. He's Dutch. So, so yeah, you're you're still playing. You're still paying kind of like that, that Western Europe price. Uh, I don't, I don't really understand what you stand to gain unless he's, you know, someone's got a real bad history of injuries and they're virtually free. Well, it also does raise the question of do, does this signal some sort of concern about Jimmy Maurer as a solution as a starting goalkeeper, or is this an effort just to bring in like legitimate competition? I, I, I certainly felt in the times that I saw Philippe last season versus Kyle Zobeck, I got more consistently good vibes from Zobeck than Philippe, and. Uh, again, I just my sense is, and maybe this is my lack of understanding of the global <laughs> uh, market for goalkeepers. We're doing okay in this country. Like that's not the one position you need to be do- wasting your time on. Yeah, between getting rid of Philippe and Zobak, they definitely have cleaned house, and and they cleaned house in North Texas too. So like they really they legitimately needed four keepers. Now we think one of them is going to be Antonio Carrera for North Texas. That's fine. So then you still need. Do they, they still have Sanchez? Uh, his his contract's up, and he he put on Instagram something about hey thank you for the opportunity, and so like I'm assuming that if they had wanted to keep him, that they would have done it by now, because he's just been sitting around here for two or three months looking for a job. Presumably, you know he's too old to be in North Texas more than this one season. So, but they did draft a keeper on Tuesday, so I'm assuming that's the other guy for North Texas. That still leaves you two open spots on the first team roster. So, uh, and in the post draft press conference. Um, Coach Estevez talked about uh, Estevez, excuse me, talked about wanting to bring in keepers, plural. So they definitely need two t- for the first team. It's just super weird that you would do two internationals, especially both of them relatively young for a keeper at 23. Both of them on loan deals. So it's like, you know, unless they're maybe going to bring them to camp and let them fight it out and say we're only keeping one. I mean, maybe they're doing that. I don't know. I mean, it's a crazy situation. The only one of the reasons why the Spanish guy Rivero seemed legit was because he was from Valencia. So there's that part. The coach knows him, you know. So the whole thing is raising lots of red flags about the usage of international spots and keepers, and the fact that it, even more compounds Peter the fact that we have good keepers here. That if you added both these keepers, you're out of international spots. So that's that's why it's really weird, yeah, even more weird. None of it makes any sense. And I, I no. Uh, well, okay. I there is. We let me let me put my collected thoughts together. Sorry, there is almost zero chance both the Valencia guy and the Utrecht guy are coming in, right? There's just no way that's happening because that. I, 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 yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I find the, the odds that it's both to be. I mean, that makes no sense to me at all that it would be both. 
I mean, but you know, this new group, we're still learning, right? They're, sometimes they do stuff that we don't get. And so maybe that is two foreign keepers. Hmm. Well, I have a feeling this is one of those things in a week's, a week's time from now, we're going to go, man, we made a whole bunch of, I can't believe we started an entire podcast about that issue because it turned out to be yeah. like neither one of them show up. <laughs> oh, that's entirely possible. But you know, this is what for this is what podcasts are for is to discuss these possibilities. How legitimate do we find this? You know, Rivero seemed very legitimate because of the connection to the coach. This other guy seems less legitimate other than the fact that it was reported both in the U.S. and Europe already that the discussions are taking place. So, you know, again, one out of every 10 links is real. But nonetheless, it's a fun topic for discussion because there are so many mystifying things about the idea you could bring in two international keepers. Okay. Well, we started the podcast with that because it actually happened today, the day we're recording it, which is the uh, 13th of January, Thursday. The really big surprise of the week and the one that uh, caught everybody off guard because it seemed like the Hunt brothers had pulled off some sort of amazing financial um, uh, trick was the trade to move up to number three in the draft, which took place Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday. To get to number three in the draft for a mere $81,000, which at the time everybody thought was the value of Dom Dwyer's contract, which they bought out, turned out not to be that, I think. Didn't they? We figured out it turned out to be the contract was worth a lot more than that. Well, that's what some people have said. I have no personal evidence for that, but there, there's a couple people that have that might know that have said it's more like three to 350K that they bought out. All right. For Dwyer. Well, Buzz, you love the draft and all things about the draft. I find the yeah. draft very boring and don't spend a lot of time following it. But it was an interesting uh, situation to see Dallas go out of their way to use their once-a-season contract buyout to move up to number three. And did they get the guy that you think they wanted? And is he worth anything? Going in, I would have thought you would have traded up to get who I thought was the best center back on the table. That turned out to not be the case. They traded up to get the guy that I actually suggested they draft at six, uh, whose name is Isaiah Parker. He is a left wing ostensibly, but he's probably converting to left back. Essentially, he's a Hollingshead, if you will, uh, replacement long term. Okay. He's a generation Adidas. He's a freshman. So was as young as you can get, it's, it's like getting, you know, Brandon Sylvania out of college. That kind of level of talent is what we're looking at. Some people that write about these things say that he's the most upside in the draft and all that kind of stuff. So that's the player that I thought they had a chance to get at six. And they got aggressive about it because they apparently agreed and really wanted him because they traded in to get him. So on just that move alone, I think this is a successful draft because if you're in the top six, you want a guy that's this surefire, big-time talent, as a lock as you're going to get. Generation Adidas, super hype, super exciting. That's who they got. Fits the need of left back, ostensibly. And then you're still left with another pick for number six. And that's where we start to get into the head scratchers when what happened at six. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. The whole day was very weird. And the thing, the, my favorite thing that happens at the MLS draft every year is it's it's amazing how people suddenly become um, NCAA collegiate player experts. 
Like everybody has an opinion about what teams did bad. I mean, this is the same thing for any sport, really. But I find yeah. it particularly hilarious <laughs> for MLS draft <laughs> because the odds that anybody knows who any of these people are 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 very very small on the general like general fan base. I, I know you and and um, Ives and a few other guys really track this stuff, but man, there was so much noise yesterday or the, the, in the last forty eight hours about the draft. Yeah, the, the the thing that happened at six was that um, it looked for a while like they had really done a coup because the player that I uh, thought perhaps they traded in for, which is the the generation Adidas center back, uh, Keller, he was sort of sliding down and it looked like there was a chance he might actually get to six. And I thought, boy, this is going to be the greatest draft of all time. Uh, he ended up getting picked at five. So then they're sitting there and this is where you have to decide if you like um, have a have a belief in Marco Ferruzzi's college scouting or not. And lately they've done a relatively decent job at picking out some players and getting guys that other people thought not so highly of. And to, Nikosi Tafari would be the biggest example of that. You could also maybe include Johnny Nelson, you know, and, and various other players that Emma Tuomasi that have done relatively well out of the draft. So they get to six. And at that point, I'm thinking to myself, there was still a generation of Adidas player that I like that was out there, but he's a left wing and they got a bunch of left wings already on the roster, you know, of an equal sort of prospect sort of value. So the other idea was that they would then go get their other relative need, which is center back. And so then you have to decide in a draft like this, that was really deep at center back. Who do you decide is the best center back left? And the guy they took has a, a red flag for me of age. Now, I like everything about his profile. I like what Dallas said about him. I like what other people's scoutings of him that I went and read all said about him in terms of his ability and what kind of player he is. Fast, good feet, can pass, you know, all, big size, all those things that are positive, just like we, we see in Nikosi Tafari. The only difference is, is that this guy they picked is already 24 because he redshirted twice in college. So he'll literally turn 25 this season which means that he's almost already plateaued. Like there's no room for him to get any better than he is right now. So Dallas obviously is convinced this is the guy. You know, if you're looking for a older center back who can play in an emergency, maybe they're right. And so what it comes down to is like of the other eight center backs that someone else said was the next best center back available, who do you trust? And we're going to, I like to judge people about what I see in training camp. So we're going to find out, but uh, you as well as I know that 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 age is a big red flag for a guy coming out of college to already be 24 going on 25. All right. So I'm going to make some assumptions here that people know what they're doing. And this is very much an option, an awesome opportunity for us uh, as people who follow and cover this team to get a measure of Mr. Estevez's uh, capabilities. Cause I have to assume this somehow, some way is related directly to him um, or is this more of a Marco Ferruzzi scouting thing? Well, they said in the press conference prior to the draft that Marco did all the college scouting work, but then he couldn't be there for the draft because of a family emergency. So um, they were using his information. But I imagine that they that Marco probably did some sort of presentation, you know, at least to uh, the TD, uh, to Zanata and to Estevez of like, here's the center backs available you know, here's the guy I think is the best one. Here's why his profile is this or that. 
you know, and, and if you think, if you assume that Justin Che is going to be sold, which I do at, at 18 years old now, that's way too young to like, if, if with Hedges and Martinez both showing the tendency to be hurt, if one, if one or both of those guys are missing and I got to plug in a dude, am I ready to play 18 year old Justin Shea at center back? No, I need a body to, I need a guy who's much more experienced and much more ready. And that's going to be this guy. So if, if that's what you're looking for, then the profile is fine and it all fits and works together. And we, we had to give them a grain of salt that they knew what they were doing and picking this guy. We'll find out. Well, Feruzzi was also the one that picked uh, Tafari, right? Yeah, absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. And, and Tafari arrived with a bit of question marks above him when he got drafted too, correct? Well, he, yeah, he was from, a, he had been at UConn and then transferred out and was at, uh, uh, Seattle specific. I don't remember what school it was. Not a big Seattle. school. Yeah, Seattle. Thank you. And it only played like a year or two and was like super raw tactically, you know. But showed a lot of talent. I mean, this guy's played it. Played at three schools. He played at Loyola Chicago, then at Drake, and then uh, one final season at St. John's. Now St. John's had one of the best defenses in, in the NCAA's this year. So. You know, there's lots of, you know, it, there's lots of question marks, but we'll, again, we're going to have to wait and see. It's, it's just weird because I think Dan has some of the numbers on, on what, what people predicted he was going to be picked. And this is way out of line with that, just like Tafari was way out of line with that. And that's where we're going to have to, how much do you trust Marco scouting? All right. Before Dan, you get into it, Buzz, please do not let me forget to ask you about your comment about Justin Che, because that starts a whole other line of questioning. And sure. I, I want to get into that before we're done. So Dan, sorry for interrupting. Please present your numbers. Okay. So couple of mock drafts uh, had Lucas Bartlett quite far down. Uh, top draw soccer had him at 21, 26. Oh, by the way, Lucas Bartlett is the name of the guy we're talking about. I don't think we ever actually said his name. <laughs> yeah, we should have done that, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so top draw had him at uh, 26, and eventually on their final version of their mock draft, and you know they are the ones that take it the most serious of all, had him up as high as 15. College soccer news put him at 20. Major League Soccer, I don't know how much they actually track anything. Adam at 22, and Soccer by Eye have set him at 33. I do wonder, reading some of those uh, some of those little previews, they kind of said, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he doesn't project. He's a guy that could be a, a rotation guy in a pinch. Are they looking at now rather than developing somebody? Uh, well, see, here's the thing. I just wonder what the, I just wonder how relevant the draft is anymore these days, especially for a club like Dallas that is so good at producing its own talent. I do wonder if they go into this and they see it almost like playing with house money to a certain degree and are willing to take really big reaches because it's okay. We got Justin Che, you know, or that, that kind of thinking. Um, I, I, it just, I mean, Again, I always tend to think that people know what they're doing and they make these choices for very solid reasons. Maybe they're, we're never going to find out what it is and we'll know more at the end of a year. Or, you know, it's possible we'll all have never talk about this ever again because that's just kind of how MLS draft picks come and go. Well, it's a fun thing to talk about, but the, the dude Parker, you know, is a real get. That was a go up and get him. But you would think that in the top six, top ten, you, you ought to be able to pick a guy that has a pretty good chance to be a starter for you within a, within not the first season, but within a couple of seasons, theoretically, you want to get a Matt Hedges, you know, or a Ryan Hollingshead, the uh, Emma Tuomasi. Those are the kinds of players that get drafted in the top 10. 
So, but there, you still miss. Colin Montgomery was fourth, I think. Uh, um, uh, Francis Satuahene was somewhere thing like fourth or fifth, also. So it's only like a fifty percent proposition that that any of these guys are going to hit at this point in the draft. The th- the second and the third round are, are, are as you say are, are worthless. There's already teams that are passing in the second round, and half the third round was a pass. So you know they know that there's no more value in those two rounds. But top six, you ought to be able to get guys a little legit. And that's why the red flag of a guy who's basically done developing, like, wh- what are you going to do with him? Is he just going to be a lifetime backup for you? That's kind of weird. Well, and I do think we didn't probably spend enough time talking about what you believe their particular interest in Isaiah Parker is because, um, you know, the, the to make the move that they did, and which, by the way, and make sure that I'm saying this correctly, Buzz, essentially what they did is they made a trade with Toronto for that spot, and what they did is they helped Toronto out, who wanted to get rid of Dom Dwyer's contract by doing the buyout, but since they have to use the buyout probably on Altador, they needed somebody else's buyout, so Dallas takes Dom's contract, pays it out, and again, we initially thought it was like 80-something thousand dollars, but have seen reports that it may be as high as 350 or higher, so they're spending that cash essentially for a third, a number three pick. What is it about Parker that you think really grabs their eye? Well, it's a common, the most important thing is he's a lefty. He's a pure left-sided player. Uh, and you've seen how much problems Dallas has had historically uh, producing, uh, getting lefties. Um, you know, there are some left-wing options around here, but none of them are, uh, world beater locks. Like we like Shun's potential, but he's not a lock yet, right? I mean, they've got Paxton playing over there, which I'll tell you how badly they need a left wing. And th- it is arguable that this guy projects more as a left back than a left wing. He's literally like a Hollingshead clone. So Hollingshead slid to the second round, if you remember, because he was going to go build a church, do this mission thing. Right. So everybody passed on him. So he was a first round talent in the second round. This guy is a, basically so good as a freshman that the, the league went out and signed him as Generation Adidas, and he was a starter as a freshman and he, true freshman too. So he's literally been out of the academy for like six months or whatever. I don't remember what academy it came from, but uh, MLS Next Level Academy. And I don't know if it was actually an MLS team or not, but um, they're getting theoretically, you're getting a homegrown style talent with this guy, which is why they're willing to go up. I mean, consider that last year they drafted a dude they'd already signed in the first round. That's where they were in terms of the value of the first round. So if you can get if you can draft a guy who's equivalent to a Brandon Cervania or a Reggie Cannon, because that's what they did as a freshman coming out of college. So okay, but my th- question is, so if you consider the guy at six, the center back who's just old as a reach, do you consider spending all of that cash out of pocket to get this guy a reach? No, because, the, you know, to go into three, I mean, he would have been picked very, very highly. You had to go really in high to get him. They obviously really, really wanted him. And it may be that the guy at six is not a reach. It may be that he's the very best center back available. There's just a red flag of how old he is. You know, I, I haven't seen enough film to, on the guy to have any idea. Whether he, I mean, I watched some tape on YouTube, but that's not the same as watching him play. For all I know, he's as good as Nikosi right now. He was playing for the best, one of the best defenses in college and got, and I think they made a pretty deep run, St. John's did. So, you know, it, there's, there's, there's all the signs that this is a guy stylistically like a Matt Hedges except that Hedges was 22 and this guy's 24. So that's, 
that's it. Well, it's interesting because I did a little research, believe it or not. And uh, if you go back and look at the number three picks dating back to 2017. So in 2017, it was uh, Jonathan Lewis. Uh, he put in 345 minutes in his rookie season. In 2018, it was Blackman at LAFC. He put in 495 minutes. In 2019, it was uh, Patino, who only put in 320 minutes his debut season. In 2020, it was Neilis. Now, he put in uh, 1,100 minutes. And last year's number three pick, Mayaka, put in for the Rapids zero minutes. Yeah, so what you have to consider is that Ryan's Holland, Ryan Hollingshead is 30, and he'll be 31 in April. So Hollingshead probably has a season or two left. We've already started seeing signs of his decline, right? He's he's on the downward slope. And then Poor if Ryan. you look, they lost, huh? Poor Ryan. Poor Ryan, yeah. They lost Nelson because of, A, the back surgery, and then he got picked in the reentry draft, which is totally understandable not to protect Nelson. And then if you look at the academy, there's no good left back for quite a ways down in the academy. Jonathan Gomez is gone, right? So there's a gigantic, massive hole at left back in terms of the future and of the now in terms of depth. And lefties are really, really hard to find, let alone a lefty that some people have described as the, the highest upside in the draft. So they moved in high to get a guy who was like the best possible option to solve the left back position going forward which is a huge, massive position, a place where you don't want to sign foreign players. And this guy's a real steal there, in my opinion, in terms of like, th this is like that pick alone for me was like, great, done, good draft. Throw the rest of the picks the, away. The Parker draft. Parker guy. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. But you were confused by the center back. The center back confused me. Consider too that Parker's generation Adidas, which means that he's roster protected, right? So he's free. And since he was signed as a freshman, it should be four seasons of free on the cap so what that's a huge pick huge value pick it's in the center back as i said the profile everything is there that makes it exciting except for the fact that he's two years older than you would like so that's it and there's one more guy in the first round that's really crazy well yeah so what's the story behind <laughs> that uh ck ck sabling ck sabling ck sabling all right ck yeah, sabling he's, he's from south africa he's a former south african u20 he played at Coastal Carolina, where he was newcomer of the year in that conference, and then he switched to Oregon State, where he was first team um, all conference in the, for Oregon State, Pac-12. Uh, he's a right wing, which means that he's effectively uh, Don replacement for Dante Seeley. He's going to be O'Brien's backup uh, if he makes the team. The problem is he's an international, and we just had a long discussion about internationals and keepers. Now they traded up to get into the first round to get him another 50 grand of GAM because they, they, they knew Toronto interviewed him and scouted him and were interested in him on some level. So they jumped up to get him because they really, really like him. And if you look at the tape, uh, which I did, the highlight tape is super exciting. He's really, really fun and dynamic. I think you'd like him, Peter, based on just the tape alone. Of course, again, we'll see, but <laughs> it, he's a promising looking player. It's weird that like he fell that far based on what I saw on the tape. I, I don't think he plays very much defense. <laughs> you know that is, mm. but uh, he's kind of an intriguing love player. Those that's guys. A, yeah, that's a real upside downside kind of player. Either you'll never hear of him again, or he'll be sold to you know Europe in five years for twenty million. You know, one or the other. So, 
Well, I, I, I saw I saw a couple of uh, reviews um, of uh, you know people grades I guess is the better way of putting it grades of the draft and I I think mm. that I consistently saw Dallas at like the B level. Yeah, B B minus is where I had them. Uh, it was a solid B, other than I don't know why I'm so hung up on this, but you know how it is with age, man. When you're 24 instead of 22, that's a big difference, and that's the only reason there's a B minus instead of a B maybe. You know, the later picks, who cares? It's all about these three first round picks who should, in theory, if you're picking in the first round, you ought to make the team. Although the the, the last guy is is maybe the, the longest stretch because of the international status. It, that may be, a, he may be tough for him, but um, that's the only reason. Yes, sir. Uh, considering you're the youngest of the trio here, when Buzz says that a guy that's 25 years old is really old, does that make you feel really old? No. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, coaches talk about two ages, right? You stop physically developing at 18, stop mentally developing at 24. He's already passed both of those. He is old. Hmm. It seems ridiculous. All right. Uh, anything else about the draft, Buzz, we need to get granular well, about? Uh, well, real quickly, in the third round, they took a keeper. That's probably for North Texas. I mean, anyone in the third round is for North Texas. A guy named Chase... Nice is a, the other center back at St. Louis who also had a really good defense, right center back. So again, they're just covering their butts in depth where they need depth there. Uh, they drafted their own left back from the academy, a guy named Holland Rula, who I've been mentioning for a quite long time. He was a three-year starter at Wake. Uh, the thing about him, though, is that he transferred to High Point, which is a school, if anyone listening doesn't know that, um, to play a graduate season. And I understand that he actually is going to play. So even though Dallas drafted him, they'll hold his rights for two years. They picked him just because he's an academy player and a left back. And he was a pretty good player. So he's definitely worth a flyer. If you're if you're awake starting left back for three years, that's pretty good. Um, but he is going to play another year. So that means you can't really have him until like uh, a year from now, basically. So um, that's just a swipe on a guy who you knew up close and personal from your own academy. So um, that's why he's so deep down there and why they were willing to do it. But that's basically it from the draft because those guys are all going to be for North Texas. All right. So uh, you're still – the overall, I know what you said for the first round, you give the overall draft for Dallas about a B? Yeah, B, B minus. You know, the, uh, it's just, the B minus is, the minus is just for that one red flag of how old that dude is. And listen, I couldn't possibly tell you, like, who I thought was a better center back. The only one I know of for sure is the guy that uh, Houston, Austin took at five. That was the generation center, Adidas center back, the guy that I thought they were actually going to get at three, you know, <laughs> shows you what I know. <laughs> but um, I'm super excited that they were up there to get Parker because that guy's a stud in the making, I believe. And then we'll find out about this this center back. Because after that, Parker, then it didn't matter. After that, it was like, if, if you get a guy, great. If you don't, whatever. Hey, did anybody else uh, take a minute to uh, kind of giggle to themselves that Houston, the hottest, swampiest of all the MLS clubs, uh, signed uh, picked a kid from Iceland? Yeah, I, I, that made me laugh. And picking a nine out of college, too, always makes me chuckle. I mean, although Daryl DK worked, but not, hey, not many. Patrick Mullins is still the greatest American player to ever play. <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> okay, all right. Or Tommy McNamara, one or the other. Uh, one of the yeah, one yeah, of yeah. those. Okay, right. Um, all right. Well, thanks, uh, MLS Super Draft, come and gone. We uh, loved you again for another year. We'll see how all those people pan out.
Uh, all right, let's see. What else does it say in Buzz's crayon written run sheet here? Well, I was surprised you blew past the thing in the giant purple crayon at the top of the run sheet. Yes. Like the biggest oh, news of the whole thing. yes, 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 yes. Sorry, sorry, because uh, I had I was I was uh, coming up with an entire uh, Robin Williams Mork from Ork uh, mirth joke. Nanu has been signed from FC Porto to our little club in Frisco. These are those signings that drive me nuts. And you know why, Buzz. Oh, I do know why. Dan wrote our little blurb on him, so Dan probably has more info than I do. Dan, you want to tell us about Nanu? Oh, really? <laughs> um, <laughs> the, 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 the only thing... Clearly an exciting uh, player added to our roster... <laughs> So, um, watched a little bit of video while I was doing while I was doing that right off. Bizarrely, left footed right back. Uh, or he's actually ambidextrous, but just the fact that he uses left so much as a right back uh, was kind of bizarre. Very fast guy. Um, if you uh, pick out any of the video games, he's probably going to be in the top ten percent of uh, guys with. Uh, with uh, acceleration, uh, not that that really means anything in the real world, but uh, just known as a fast guy, uh, right back can play left back, can play both wings, um, very much uh, that Ryan Hollins head style of I couldn't find much uh, much tape of him actually defending, but uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, great, uh, but great at getting to the end line and putting a cross in right-footed or cutting inside, shooting left-footed. Who knows? You know, you can put him opposite to Marcy and have two real speeds. There's annoying. You could ha- you could put him opposite Holland's head and have two kind of switch for uh, full-backs who cut inside and shoot. It's, uh, it's actually kind of a nice versatile, that Oscar Pereira option almost. Um, his, his big issue... Um, as I say this, he's uh, currently uh, sidelined with COVID for the second time. Um, his big issue is that he had this massive concussion spinal injury deal, which uh, actually was on CNN, bizarrely enough, when it happened uh, last year. He kind of fell out of favor at Porto. Uh, most people kind of linked that to the injury. At least most people in Dallas said, oh, buying, uh, buying a Jerry Jones Blue Star special. Uh, it's actually because there is uh, there was a, a youth player that came through and it's just a shit hot right back and they went, cool, we're going to go with this guy. The guy he was previously split in time with uh, in Porto's first team is, is now their second choice. So uh, definitely not a, a development line by any means, but hey, if it gets a guy minutes and is uh, relatively cheap, hopefully not carrying his full salary, it might pay off if you ignore the uh, the international uh, roster spot. Yeah, see, the reason why these kind of signings always drive me nuts, and I think, Buzz, you're going to agree with me on this, is that what we instantly see is some sort of weird built-in default reaction from the general fan base of, oh, we signed a guy from Europe, he must be amazing. And we find out that, no, there's probably a reason why a guy is signing to come move all the way to Frisco, Texas to play soccer instead of somewhere in one of the multitude of leagues and clubs you could be signed from from Europe. There's always some sort of sideline story. And and sometimes you get a really good 
um, uh, uh, you know, you get a good result with like a Rito Ziegler, or sometimes you get a not so great result or a questionable result, like with Martinez last year or Cobra. Uh, it, I just, it always drives me nuts that everybody just makes some sort of assumption that just because a guy was from Europe and playing in Europe, he's automatically going to be the best player on the team. Yeah, that, that does drive me crazy. You, know, you have to consider that Porto, uh, while they're the best team in their league all the time, the Portuguese league is only just barely better than Major League Soccer. If anyone else is double A, then Portugal is And you're going to hear about that, Buzz. I well, don't even know if it's that good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like... <laughs> I know. You know, it, if, if MLS is double A, just hypothetically, baseball, then Portugal at best is like triple A. Porto's good, yeah, they get into the Champions League, but they get because they win their league. They get wrecked in the Champions League. You know, and this guy's been, this guy hasn't played in a year. Now the upside is that he's 27 years old, prime of his career, and it's a one-year loan with an option to buy. So if, if he stinks, it's not that big a deal. Right. If he's good, that's great. The, the, the problem is they just gave Tuomasi like a three, I think it's a three-year contract. Yeah, through 24 with options, 25, 26, at like 350K, I think it is. So, and that's kind of what this guy makes. So basically now you have two, theoretically, you have two starting level right backs come uh, here and you're going to have legit competition. I like that part. I like legit competition, but better guy plays. That's fine. But, you know, right back is not necessarily a spot I want to burn an international player. You know, that's not high impact. It's not a bellwether position in MLS. It's not going to change the game, you know, having this guy right back. Well, in my opinion, so well, that's, no, that's the downside. I, I agree, and I also, uh, I also, again, this is a perfect example, which is, is that if he's a, in the prime of his career, speedy, talented fullback, um, there are there has to be more than enough clubs much closer in Europe directly that would love his services. So I always get a little confused and a very, I get a little suspicious about why these guys end up playing in Frisco, Texas. It's not like they got a deal to go play in New York or L.A. or Miami, right? They're coming here. This isn't everybody's end destination. So I always wonder what and how they end up coming here. Again, maybe he'll be great. I, I just I want everybody just to hold their water until we actually see the dude show up and, and kick the ball about. Yeah, the, the year... Of... Go ahead, Dan. I was going to say, can I give you a possible reason that Europeans will be a little bit put off by him? There is a there is a perception of players that go to the African Cup of Nations because uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was this period where if any player went, they would go AWOL for three months after the tournament. And, you you know, you, you didn't want to void their contract because you wanted them back. But for whatever reason, with with visas and everything else players would just go home chill out go missing not do anything and then they'd just show up randomly one day because you know it's a, it's a january tournament and to them that's you know for, for some players it was kind of like you might as well write them off for the rest of the season um yeah i mean he's not he's not an eu player he's an african player so like there's well, he, they still have non-eu rules right no he's an eu player he's born in portugal Oh, there you go. See, I learned something today on this podcast. Uh, but in 2019, I guess uh, Guinea-Bissau was, you know, kind of going through who who qualified for your parents and grandparents, and and he was someone I identified. So I mean, up until getting, you know, being uh, popping a COVID test on the seventh, he's played every single minute of every possible game for Guinea-Bissau that that he could since the 2019 Afcon. 
So I mean, he's that's but that and two cup games is unfortunately the only minutes he's played this uh, this European season. So you know, since August, so he's only played like fifteen odd games. Yeah, that's the other thing that kind of makes me suspicious about this and why we would want to. I mean, again, this is very much just wait till the dude shows up and let's see what he's capable of because he hasn't played a lot of soccer in the last what eight months, six six eight months. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so six months. Uh, I mean, they did. Uh, yeah, for whatever reason, he is firmly third choice, uh, third choice right back in the league, in Champions League where they've done a bit of rotation. You know they've trusted him to to at least sit on the bench on and away he games. Played some cup games like the Portuguese FA Cup kind of thing. Yeah, they they have like a weird system where it's a two game group stage and they finish second, so they didn't get through. Hmm. But right. Reggie Cannon's Boavista did. Yeah. I think if you have the kind of concussion that he had, that that'll turn off a lot of people, you know, and I'm sure Dallas will do a complete physical and medical on him, but you know, there's a risk there. If you have him signed long-term, which they don't, there's a risk there that if he were to get another concussion, he can be done at any time. You know, that it's hard to know what those things, unless people have to retire in the middle of their career, you know, so a one-year loan is whatever. It's like a shot. I mean, whatever. I'm okay with that. Do we know what the terms of the deal are? Other than the one-year loan, there, there is a buy. I do not know what the buy is. Okay. That's the thing. If the buy's low enough, uh, you know, a 27-year-old uh, who was, you know, supposedly really good for Maritimo took the big move to Porto. It didn't pan out. Well, yeah, you could probably flip him for a decent profit. It, but he's, you know, you've you've got to have the player perform. <laughs> I feel like we've turned all of this into a car auction. What kind it, of I mean, it kind of is it's, these days, yeah. It's hunt car sales. It's like I was watching the I was watching the Meekum auto auction last night, and I was marveling at how some of these completely average, oddly average American cars from the eighties and nineties are all selling for twenty plus thousand dollars. It's like how how does a nineteen ninety four Chevy quarter ton sell for nineteen thousand dollars? And it's because it's what the market is. It is what people will pay for. It's like the Pepe deal, right? Nobody nobody in their right mind thought anybody'd really pay twenty million for him, but you know what? He's worth twenty million because Osberg paid for it. So I guess if that's the business Dallas is in these days, uh, it is the car business. All right, well. What I find interesting uh, with all these drafts and signings and et cetera, and you know, if it, even if you don't like the particular keepers that were linked, there's going to be three keepers on the team, almost certainly. And if you add in the three first round picks making the roster, then that's 18 players. And, you know, you can carry 18 to 20 on the first team roster in FC da- uh, in MLS, but Dallas lately has not done that. They lately carried less than that. They've really carried 18. So it's entirely possible that, you know, pending two keepers showing up, that this is it, that this is all the players no. for the start of camp. Uh, okay. Why not? Well, because here's the thing, you know, and this would, again, this would be totally... Uh, Clark and Dan Hunt doing the Lucy and Charlie Brown football bit on us again, uh, which is, you know, the $20 million get deal gets done. Dan Hunt gets in front of everybody and starts talking about yeah, on the, on the uh, XM thing that we played last week and says, yeah, we're going to spend a substantial amount of this money. And in fact, it may even exceed the funds we got from the Pepe deal and here we are a week later, and we found out the bat- about the new thing, but there's no 
There's no fee involved with that. They're, they're not paying a transfer fee for him. And then didn't we hear that at the uh, follow-up supporters meeting uh, the other day that he told everybody they were going to announce the signing the next day, which would have been yesterday, and that didn't happen? Well, that could have been either that keeper or, I suppose, the next keeper. But they haven't been announced. No, they haven't been announced. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if whether it's them or not, there's going to be two keepers coming in. And if you add those two keepers in, and if you keep the three first-round draft picks, that's 18 players. And they said that they were pretty happy with what they had coming in, you know, the signings that were done, basically. They, they were looking at some other things and had some other things out there. But it's not going to shock me if this is it in terms of, like, camp opening Monday with, you know, maybe a keeper still coming in, and that's it, really. That's 18 players. Can I pose a question about these, these two keepers they're linked with? You know, Dan, you're a, a you're an equal part of this podcast. You don't have to ask a question to ask a question. Can, can I ask a question? Um, no, I was I was uh, when you were talking about it earlier. I kind of I was looking through like free agents, and you've got like Chris Seitz is a free agent right now. Bobby Shuttleworth's a free agent. John Kempin's a free agent. John McCarthy, David Bingham, and a couple of those guys. Him couple of those guys are up there in age but it was kind of like john kempin's 28 he's an mls star a quality player like why yeah. are you not chasing him well that's what we that's what we were talking about earlier when there's plenty of american keepers out there that are available i'm sure there are some in usl that would be perfectly good enough to start in this league and you know that's why it's so weird that they're after two well, international keepers but but it's just more evidence that there's something to the idea that they are now in they are so in the business mindset of farming players you know they're like used car salesmen buying cars low and selling them high in the market they think that their market on these guys may turn them a profit that they're willing to do that instead of go get an american keeper uh, and whatever savings that may come with it my great fear that I'm starting to develop is that even though Nico Estevez, you know, worked for Columbus and worked for the U.S. national team, that he's only been here like, what, five or six years. It's entirely possible that he doesn't think very highly of American players, you know, and we're going to see, and I'm sure Zanata doesn't. So I'm sure we're just going to see a rash of international players. And it's all going to be all internationals and all homegrowns. That's all it's going to be. Yeah, see, I, but the problem, I the reason why I don't buy that buzz is because Dan Hunt spends too much time uh, pruning, uh, preening around about how many players he has he personally has put into the U.S. men's national team. Like he he exudes such a deserved. I, again, I'm not criticizing him, but he is always pumping his his chest out about how many players there are on a, any given U.S. men's roster that come from his academy or his team. Right. That's why I said internationals and homegrowns. Oh, I didn't hear you say homegrowns. Because they only have four players that aren't those two qualifications. Hedges and Hollingshead have a year or two left, right? Mauer's what, 31, 32? And then Nikosi Tafari. So within two seasons, they're only going to have one domestic player on the on the roster. Not That's not a homegrown. That's not a homegrown, you know, yeah. Pending some other of these draft picks panning out. But it's like this roster is already... 90% internationals and homegrowns. And that's all they do. There's no, remember when all this, there's no other players that have played in MLS, right? That's a big stat that we talk about. Oh yeah. That's a, yeah. that's a really weird aversion that they have about going out and getting uh, players from other teams. I, 
So like, if you think, if you think American players suck and you only trust foreign players and you only trust your own Academy players, that's, that's kind of where we're at basically, you know, they don't say that of course, but that's what it looks like to me. Yeah. Well, I, well, my argument would be it's not that they think that the American players suck. I just don't think they feel like there's a, as big a marketplace. Again, this all goes back to my original uh, controversy or conspiracy, which is are we just have they really just converted this entire thing and focused it more on the business of buying and selling players? And that's the that's kind of the core of their roster construction these days. Yeah, we want to put a winning team together, but we also want to make sure anybody we bring in is somebody we can flip for a profit. Well, it sure seems like that. And that certainly was an odd reputation when he came here. Yeah. And I guess we'll find out if it works, but. It does seem to be uh, aiming at the wrong target, but okay. Yeah, it does. Um, okay. Uh, all right. I, I'm sorry that I uh, put everything out of order, Buzz. Nanu should have been the first thing. especially. Nah, it's good. Nanu, Nanu. Oh, that was one of my family's favorite shows when I was uh, a young lad. Oh, my gosh. I was Mark and Mindy. so oh, yeah. in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was great. Uh, and... Um, and the, their kid, Mirth. Yeah. Remember when they had... Uh, I do. Wasn't that Don DeLuise? Isn't that who played No. Um, no. Um, oh, oh, good Lord. Why is his name... Uh, everybody's screaming at their iPhone or their Android phone at me right now. Uh, Winners. Jonathan Winners. Yeah. Uh, with a comedian. Very, very funny guy. And one of the only comedians that could keep up with Rob, Robin Williams in terms of just being uh, crazy extemporaneous comedy uh it was very funny as their kid that gets hatched out of an egg <laughs> do you remember the uh the, the the legendary story that robin williams they told him to act like an alien when he went into the do to interview with somebody and so he went in there and sat on his head and that's when he got the part yeah <laughs> yeah very very good stuff well uh i i guess i can enjoy the fact that his name is nanu and just hope that he turns out to be a baller uh as everybody else but uh we'll just keep that patiently waiting on the side all right um now i'm just babbling trying to look at the sheet anything else we need to cover buzzard just that there were two uh fc dallas u15s that made it into the u.s u15 camp so mm. uh good for them a couple of young players a guy named bryce outman who uh, i believe came from solar to join fc dallas and jonathan martinez who's a goalkeeper for the u.s u15 so two names to add to your academy tracking list if you're into that kind of jam uh, the 15s actually have some other good players too. I mean, that's, that's not always the end of the world to, if you don't make that kind of squad. That they they had like seven players go to the you know regional um, scouting cups that they do these days. So anyway, congrats to those two young men. That's pretty exciting for them. Okay, uh, Buzz, I know that's what I, the the preseason schedule came out. Man, I I really lament the days where Dallas used to pack everybody up, even you back in the day, Buzz. They'd even put you on a plane and go somewhere yep. really exotic and cool, and we get these weird little uh, hints and snippets of word about uh, games being played somewhere in South America or Central America or wherever. Now we just, you know, scrimmage a bunch of kids over on the North Field or something like that. I remember uh, in Lucci's first season, they went to Tucson to play. And I, they, I don't know if they were actually in the Sun Cup or just played teams around the Sun Cup. But that was the preseason that Santiago Mascara looked amazing. Uh, and that was one of the first times that I got burned completely on how good that dude looked. Wait, is he? He's not on the roster still, is he? 
No. Oh, no, that's right. That guy got burned yeah. out last year. Okay, sorry. I'm yeah. confusing. Plus, you I'm... saw them win the Sun Cup. I, yeah, that was the year before, though. Uh, it was the the year, the, the second year, they weren't actually in it. But that's not the point. The point was that, like, a couple of months after that, I was talking to Lucci, and I was like, man, I, I, you know, as things were not going as well as you would like, I was like, man, I, did you guys play good enough teams? And he was in the preseason. He was like, no. He said that was absolutely a lesson I learned. Big mistake not anywhere good enough teams played. And then of course the next two seasons, next season was COVID. And the season after that, you were forced to play teams in your area and you couldn't go anywhere. So he never was able to solve that issue. And I'm going to go so far as to say, looking at the current schedule that they have posted, this is the worst preseason schedule in the history of this club. Uh, it's terrible. It is terrible. And I was, I was so disappointed and I thought, oh man, I guess somebody's going to try to blame COVID for this, but can't they sc- can't they screw together a better preseason set of games than this? This is a garbage schedule. You have to challenge yourself. And that's the thing about the when the foreign trips or whatever, or if you went to play in a good tournament and got people playing their good teams, I was like, this is trash because they're playing the first turn game is against the US U20 team. Well, that's kids. So you're going to probably play like your reserves and your tryout guys, probably, right? Right. Okay, game two, Orlando City. All right, now they're good. So that's your first team. That's a legit game. That one's fine. But then it's versus San Antonio FC. Again, that's going to be your reserves. And then your final two games are against Chicago and Houston, two of the worst teams in the league last year. This is a absolutely trash schedule. It's like Orlando City, like playing a good MLS team, that's fine. But you need to be mixing in another three or four games against really good teams, maybe even teams better than you, so that you can test yourself and not against teams that are trash. And no offense to Chicago or Houston, but those teams are last year are worse than Dallas. That's not who you want to play. So I'm not kidding. This is the worst preseason schedule this club has ever put together. And damn Estevez said he's really happy with it. I'm like, you're out of your mind. This is horrible. Well, I didn't know his first name was Damn, but I like damn, it. Damn, it is now. It is now. <laughs> yeah, like, like the it was Spanish a comment beer, there. Estrella Damn. <laughs> yeah, there was a comment. It was Damn, comma, Estevez says. No. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like his name was Damn Estevez. And yeah. as you said, it is now. Yeah. Uh, I hope the, I hope the uh, Beer Garden and El Matador turn that into a song. Uh, or yeah, some damn sort of Estevez. Chant. Yeah, Damn Estevez. <laughs> Uh, when they're down one nothing and he sucks damn Estevez, it's all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> now you know, in terms of our coverage, they're only going to Florida for like five or six days, so I'm not even going to bother. Like most of it's going to be here. So great, I can go to. But a whose fault? Of it. Okay, but whose fault is the? I mean, how is that? Is that a byproduct of the fact that Estevez only showed up late, or is this because oh, no, no, no. the Hunts don't want to spend any money to travel, or what? What's the like? What? And and do we know what anybody else's preseason schedule looks like? MLS has all of them. Yeah, there, there's. A, listen, COVID is is making international travel super complicated. I get it. It's like right now, it's impossible to go international. You're at the mercy of the games you can get against other people. But surely you could have gotten somebody better than Chicago and Houston. <laughs> Obviously, Orlando is the relationship with Oscar and Muzi, so that's how you got that one. But nobody wants. Clearly, nobody wants to play them. Right. Dallas. And it's like, I, I, I totally understand the circumstances. You can give me all the excuses you want, and a lot of them are perfectly valid. It doesn't change the fact that the schedule is trash. Buzz, I think Chicago may actually top Dallas. They play yeah. Minnesota United, Toronto, Dallas, Austin. Minnesota United, Toronto, Dallas, Austin. 
Oh, wow. That's, uh, I mean, Minnesota's good. That's, see, that's a very similar schedule. Like, they got one good team and then three bad teams. So it's like, you know, I would have liked to have seen, instead of Chicago, you know, that that middle game probably, like, if you're counting, I don't know, it should be the first team. What like, is Seattle's sh- preseason schedule? Do, you know, do we know what Seattle or Portland's preseason schedule looks like? Let's see. Portland hasn't published theirs other than a game against Seattle. <laughs> Uh, well, some likewise. of those teams have some of those teams have Champions League stuff starting pretty quick, so like they may have com- yeah. you know limited schedules because of that. I mean, everyone's got different circumstances. I'm only speaking of in terms of Dallas. I hate this schedule. Uh, <laughs> it's like I'm sorry, I'm mad about it, but it's like it makes me so mad. Have I ever told? Have I told the story on the pod about the guy that's on my uh, uh, Sunday League team that used to play at West Texas and got to play in one of these preseason games against the Burn in the Cotton Bowl? Have I ever told Is you that the story about the Christ story about him kicking Christ or whatever? Yes. Have I told this yeah. on the pod? Yeah, I think you have, but you can oh. tell it again. Uh, well, I don't want to bore it. Well, long story short, they, they're playing at the Cotton Bowl and he's just a kid and he's super, he's super excited and the whistle blows and he goes and he steals the ball from Jason Christ and Christ comes in from behind and absolutely plates him, puts his studs all the way down the guy's calf and he stands over and he goes, look, motherfucker, we're just here taking it easy. We got a game in a couple of days. Just back off. All right, now I got to edit. So, something like that. <laughs> Well, you remember Chad Deering against the scrimmage against SMU had a kid steal the ball from him and Chad chased him down and broke his leg. Oh, yeah, I do remember uh, that. I think that was at Southlake, if I remember correctly. What, what are you going to edit out? You're MFing. Motherfucker. Oh. You can't yeah. say that? Okay. No, I, I know. you can. It's not broadcast. Yeah. Um, and I'm paraphrasing. That's not a direct quote, but the, he tells the story differently than me, but that's essentially what happened. <laughs> yeah. He got run over by, and I think even, and he, but, it, but to uh, give the good side, he also told another story about where he showed up for, a, I don't know if it was the same game or a different game and he had forgotten his, uh, shin guards and, and Ted Eck walked by and saw him looking through his bag and said, Hey, is everything all right? And he goes, yeah, man, I'm supposed to be playing against you guys. I forgot my shin guards. And Ted gave him a pe- a pair of shin guards and then two footed them shin high <laughs> there was a kid uh that was a trialist in chile when we were down there at that time uh that had no shoes and so like a couple of players gave him some size cleats some nice cleats that matched Aww. his you know so it was nice the same sort of deal he couldn't he came to training and he had like you know one cleat was like the sole was falling off or whatever it was it's rough. He was good, actually. I wanted him to sign him, but uh, it was one of those complicated things where like 18 people owned his pass and they couldn't get him. And good he little turned player. into Huzalita Vaca. No, he turned into nobody. I've never heard of him since then, So, but he was a good little player. Uh, reminiscing about the good old days. Your story about the guy from West Texas reminded me of, like in the early days of the uh, the burn in FC Dallas when I would tell people that I like had the blog about them. I can't say any times people would say, oh, do you know my buddy, Blow Blow? He plays for FC Dallas. And I'd be like, no, no, he doesn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, he <laughs> yeah. says he's, no, no, he does not play no, for FC Dallas. Played for us. Yeah. No, he did the thing. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> Back in the day, there were so many yeah. people who who got who got farmed through tryouts or little yeah. spells you know, because they were so desperate for players back then that everybody, I mean, there's a whole, the, 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 the entire globe is littered with people who could claim they played for FC Dallas at one point yeah. or another. Yeah. You're a training player, bro. If that it's like, and I've never seen you and I'm out there once a week. So I you know your buddy did not play for FC Dallas. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay. Uh, anything else we need to talk about? Any other news, big things moving about anything? we want? I to- mean, uh, just the lack of news. It's like, it, you know, again, counting the roster, where are the players at? You know, if, if there's a three, four, 
if there's a four three three coming, there's a giant gaping hole in midfield. You know, not that I don't love Paxton, but you cannot have be Paxton be the only player at that position. You need another body if no other, other than that. You know, because Paxton gets hurt. I, I gotta. I I know it's too early to get nervous or to look and at your watch and go, oh my god, he's done it again. But with all of the noise and all of the public statements and promises that Dan Hunt has made in the last week or so since the Pepe deal, either on media or in front of fan bases, it it's not conceivable that something really electric isn't going to happen here in the next few weeks, right? It's just they can't – he oh. literally can't do this again, can he? Well, you remember the, the Zanata press conference after the Pepe sale. He said, you know, losing Pepe changes everything. We have to change our strategy. You know, we're going to have to look to bring in a big player in this window or maybe in the summer. And it was like, oh, dude, maybe in the summer. So, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing <laughs> as always. Hmm. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, like, I think there's a better than 50% chance that barring the keeper or two, that this is it for next week, that there's not going to be anybody between now and then just a keeper, maybe two keepers. And that's not going to solve your problems. Is it? No. Uh, I think the striker put a tweet out today uh, where they had, they had built an, an imaginary lineup for FC Dallas with the players they have on the roster. Now and I thought, <laughs> That looks like the B lineup from last season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other than the fact that they had put Pax in the middle. I think they had they had Schoen and Obreon and Jesus up top. Yeah. And then they had Paxton, uh, Faco, and Cervania in the middle. Yeah. 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 And I thought, That's oh, it. this is like your, your, yeah. your slightly altered B team from last season. It's basically the team from the end of last season. It's like the the only the only addition really at this point is Nanu versus Tuomasi at right back. It's like nothing else has changed. They got rid of some guys. That's it. No yeah. Pepe. How did we go from being so optimistic and happy and gleeful just a week ago, Buzz? Now I'm all bummed out again. Yeah. No. <laughs> Damn. What we did were, you do? We were, it was spring. We felt we were feeling alive and excited about. Yeah. No. Then we then we counted players and we're like, crap. I'm, I blame Dan. They've got 17 days until they go to Florida. In that time, something could happen. It probably won't, but it could happen. <laughs> Man, you've made me feel about the same as I did two minutes ago. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. Um, okay. All right. Well, this is it. I'm making last call. Anything else? I'll take a scotch. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Same with me. Don't forget that uh, Third Degree, the podcast, is brought to you by Soccer 90. That's where you get all your stuff, all the good stuff. In fact, even go to the store. I'm telling you, if you've not been inside Soccer 90, the physical retail location, it's so much fun. It's such a cool place. I don't go enough, frankly. Uh, you can get your FC Dallas, your national team, international club gear. They got more stuff coming in, and they got big plans uh, for the next year. All kinds of stuff. And don't forget, when you shop online, you get 25% off all the gear when you use the code Third Degree at checkout at Soccer90.com. Some exceptions uh, apply, and there's a reason why I have to say that, but uh, just trust me on that. Okay, Dan, thanks for trying to salvage my uh, now 
uh, draining enthusiasm over the season. I appreciate you, sir. <laughs> nanu, nanu. Nanu, nanu to you, too. And nanu, nanu to you, Buzz. Yeah, long live Robin Williams. Oh. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Dang it. Yeah. We should have a, uh, we should encourage everybody to do a Mork and Mindy marathon. Oh, yeah. Classic. I what think is... we've encouraged everyone to drink at this point. Wait, is, <laughs> is Mork and Mindy streaming on anything? I need to look that up oh, before man, we go. Who knows? Hold that, on. That's not the, it's a different podcast than that. No, no, no. Here, everybody, because there are, there are going to be people listening to this that have never watched Mork and Mindy, and I, you and I gave it a high um, um, uh, review, and I think it's worth at least, let's see, is it? No, it appears that it's not streaming on anything. I'm looking yeah. at the stream, the the very reliable JustWatch.com, and it's not on there. Mm. Weird. Bummer. Just like a Moonlighting, you can't stream Moonlighting either. Oh, that's amazing. That's a great. So I would love to yeah, go back and watch sure. Moonlighting. All right, now we've officially yeah. changed the pod. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. Nanu, Nanu to you too. And uh, yes, we will speak to you again on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Jesus Christ, this is depressing. Nanu, Nanu. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nan Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nan Podcast. Third degree, the third degree never podcast. Third degree, the third degree never podcast.